On today's podcast, we'll be covering all the updates of the last week. We'll look at some injuries and streamers. Plus, we'll do a deep dive into an important change to a popular evaluation statistic. That's today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. This is Fastball Fantasy Baseball with Taylor Tarter and Matt Kirk. Let's get into it. Today I've got my buddy Nick Stefano joining me. He is filling in for Matt on today's episode. Nick, thanks for tagging in. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. Let's do this. So we're going to start here by taking a look at some of the best performances from matchup number eight. So the best hitting performance, in my opinion, this week was Houston outfielder slash DH Jordan Alvarez. He went 13 of 23. It's a 565 batting average with eight runs, four homers and eight RBI. Uh, there are Sick. a couple of other guys who had like really good weeks too, but uh, I just wanted to kind of shout out Jordan here. Uh, he has an 18.2% barrel rate, which is fifth best in baseball and a 64% uh, hard hit rate, which is number one in baseball. He's a- absolutely crushing the baseball. He has a 15% K rate versus a 13% walk rate. So not only is he just like mashing the ball, he's seeing the ball really well. And that is really bad for opposing pitchers. Uh, he has a 267 Babbitt versus a 320, 322 career Babbitt. And his, uh, you know, he has a 289 batting average, but something we're going to talk about later is uh, his line drive rate has actually decreased. And this is like a major factor in Babbitt this year, but we'll get to that in kind of the back half of the show. And his 30% home run to fly ball rate is a little higher than usual, but despite all those things, he looks really, really good this year. Dude, his stat cast on Baseball Savant is like, blood red just literally all red. it's it's all red hard hit is in hard hit percentage is the hundredth percentile um x slug hundredth percentile expected batting average hundredth percentile uh, <laughs> barrel percentage 98th percentile like it's like every average exit velocity 99th percentile like he is just absolutely tearing the cover off the ball um i say a prayer every day that i have him on one of my teams that his knees stay healthy uh, because the man is unreal that's that's like the only thing you know <laughs> yeah that's, that's the only thing against him is like just waiting for his knees to explode a couple of honorable mention hitters uh tommy edmund went nine of 31 for a 290 average he had eight runs a home run only two rbi but he picked up four stolen bases last week and then kyle schwerber went seven of 22 for a 318 batting average seven runs four homers and five rbi so Ed, Edmund's been good this year, man. That, he's, again, hitting the ball hard. Exit velocity is way up for him. Loving it. Yeah, picking up a lot of steals, too. Uh, our best pitching for performance for this week, San Diego starting pitcher Mackenzie Gore. He went six innings, gave up three hits, zero earned runs, three walks, 10 strikeouts. He picked up a quality start and a win with a zero ERA and a one whip. And on the year, he has a 10.6 strikeouts per nine rate. He has a 3.1 
walks per nine rate and a 0.19 home run per nine rate, which are all better than league average. And so obviously, you know, the, the yips are gone. The, the big worry of the, of the last couple of years with him. And uh, he has an 87% left on base rate. That's and, scary. And a 2, 2.6% home run to fly ball rate, which are, you know, obviously not sustainable. Le- league average left on base rate is around like 74%. And he's like 13% higher. So runners are going to start coming around to score on him. Uh, ERA is going to go up. But uh, on the plus side, his expected ERA, FIP, XFIPs here, all those um, advanced ERA metrics are all in the low three to, you know, even down to a 222. That's his FIP, but um, all the other expected metrics are just just above a three ERA, which is still really good, especially if he's striking out almost 11 batters per nine innings. I mean, it, it's he was a top prospect and they finally decided to actually let him pitch. And I think we're seeing that he is legit. I mean, he'll, he'll come back to earth a little bit um, as he's kind of figured out, but he's legit. Absolutely. And then a couple honorable mention pitchers, a few picked up two quality starts, Frankie Montas, Adam Wainwright, Framber Valdez, Martin Perez, George Kirby. Then two guys that I literally have never heard of before. Uh, Jonathan Heasley, who is pitching in Kansas City, and Matt Swarmer for the Cubs. They each got two quality starts last week, so good for them. That's that's wild. Hey, one fun thing I was looking up, I was looking at Framber Valdez the other day. I was looking at launch angles that pitchers uh, are giving up. His launch angle is negative 3.7. He has the best launch angle against in the majors. So when you look at a, a ground ball pitcher, uh, I don't think it gets more of a ground ball pitcher than Framber Valdez. I thought that was pretty cool. And a ground ball pitcher with a good defense. Exactly. That's important too. Yep. All right, let's cover a few important injuries. Ouch, baby. Very ouch. Boston shortstop Xander Bogarts, he was removed from a game on Tuesday with shoulder tightness. If he misses time, Boston has a ton of different like configurations they can use. They have Duran, they just sent down to the minors. Christian Arroyo can play multiple positions. Franchi Cordero, Kike Hernandez can play multiple positions. So it's going to be interest, interesting to see who gets the, the extra opportunities, if there are any, uh, in, in that lineup. And, you know, just some, something to watch for if you have Bogarts is maybe like who's, who's filling in for him, right? Yeah, I hope it's, I hope it's uh, Cordero. I hope Frenchie, Frenchie gets an opportunity that that dude can hit the ball pretty hard. Yeah, he had a couple good games recently. Uh, so maybe they'll, maybe they'll at least like platoon uh, in the outfield somewhere. Uh, Chicago outfielder Seiya Suzuki, he took batting practice yesterday. He's working his way back. White Sox starting pitcher Lance Lynn should be back for Monday's game versus Detroit. And this is a must start. One thing to remember with him is he's not coming back from an arm injury. He's coming back from a knee injury. And it's his, I believe it's his right knee. So it's his push off knee, not his plant knee either. So there's not really any worry about him like landing wrong or something like that 
on the knee. Uh, so he, to me, he should be a workhorse again and probably won't really need much time to ramp up. You know, he could be in there seven innings, getting you a quality start against Detroit. Yeah, agreed. Angels outfielder Mike Trout was removed from Tuesday's game with groin tightness, something to watch there. And fellow Angel third baseman Anthony Rendon is taking grounders, but he doesn't have any timetable for a return. Dodgers first baseman Max Muncy, he should return by the weekend from an elbow issue, but I'm a little worried. I have him in a points league, and he, he is valuable in a points league. That doesn't count batting average. It counts uh, it, it counts walks, strikeouts, things like that. Total bases uh, gives you points for you know steals, uh, different things like that. But uh, doesn't penalize you for having a low average. So I'm really strongly contemplating letting him go because of the continued injury risk to you know his elbow. But also there is still some value with him in, in certain formats. Yeah. I'm, I have not been impressed with him this year. He just, he can't make any contact. It's unreal. Like it's, it's just as bad. His <laughs> yeah. exit velocity, all of it's all way down. Like, and some of that probably is injury related. So you hope that maybe he comes back from this elbow and it's better, but right now it's not what it should be for him. Yeah, there, there are a couple other guys who, if I have Muncie and another hurt guy, I would prioritize a lot of other players over him. Agreed. Dodgers starting pitcher Clayton Kershaw should be back to uh, face the Giants this weekend. Uh, Milwaukee shortstop Willie Adamas should be back today from the IL or yesterday from the IL, depending on when you listen to this, where we're – this is coming out on Thursday, so I think he came back on Wednesday. Uh, Milwaukee starting pitcher Brandon Woodruff anticipates being able to come off the IL on June 12th when he's first eligible to do so. But, you know, with players, you know, setting their own injury recovery deadlines, those aren't always accurate. But if you got Woodruff, potentially June 12th is a is a important day. Mets outfielder Starling Marte is hitting the IL with quad tightness and Mets starting pitcher Tyler Meagle is coming off the IL. He is starting either Friday or Saturday. Philly second baseman Gene Segura, he fractured his finger last week. He needs surgery on it and uh, should be out 10 to 12 weeks. And this should give Bryson Stott a bunch of playing time. Um, he, in the last week, I think he has eight, eight, I was just looking at this. I think he has eight runs, three home runs, eight RBI, and is batting like 350 something in the last seven days. Like he's doing really well um, after kind of like sputtering a little bit to start the season. So maybe he's like picked things up and this is going to be an extended time for him in the majors. So if, if you're thin at, uh, at middle infield, uh, he's a he's a good pickup, I would say, in most formats, even shallow leagues. Just don't don't expect lots of homers. Expect you're looking at runs and stolen bases and a decent amount of Ks. Uh, but if you're thin, he's definitely worth a look. 
in Pittsburgh, there are a ton of people out. If you look up there, everyone. Yeah, if you look up there, um, the MLB injuries on ESPN. Basically, everyone on Pittsburgh is hurt, and so my thought with that is like they have to be calling Cruz up soon, right? Like they have to. He's doing better. He is. He's done better in AAA over the last month than the first month. He was striking out like every at bat. It was the really first bad. Month it was awful, but he's finally starting to like, I think, figure it out. Maybe he was just angry when he went down. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. I hope they call him up. In uh, San Francisco, starting pitcher Alex Cobb hit the 15-day IL with the next strain. What a bummer, man. He was like the fantasy darling sleeper of this year and just hasn't. Hasn't had good luck this year. Tampa, Tampa starting pitcher Shane Baz. He's joining the rotation this week. I've been waiting. Uh, I have him in one league where I've had him for basically the entire season so far. Just waiting. Toronto starting pitcher Hunjin Ryu. The team isn't saying much with him other than an elbow issue and that he'll miss significant time, which probably means Tommy John, uh, but you know, they're not saying it. So that is probably it. Yep. Uh, so stripling is filling in and could be a good ad, but I, I would only add it in like deep, deep leagues. Washington starting pitcher, Steven Strasburg. He is lined up to start today, Thursday, but honestly, I'm probably holding off on starting him in fantasy for another week or so, just to kind of see how he does. Um, if you really, really need like the innings or if you really need uh, points or whatever, um, maybe, but I, I would lean no. Points um, like only. I would not start him anywhere else. Then there's quite a few players that are either starting rehab or continuing rehab assignments. White Sox outfielder Eloy Jimenez played in a rehab game yesterday. He's potentially back next week. White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson should begin a rehab assignment next week. Uh, Cincinnati Reds second baseman Jonathan India and Detroit starting pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez uh, each started their rehab assignments this week. You know, players who are starting rehab assignments this week probably means that for pitchers, you know, two or three starts usually in a rehab, that's probably three weeks till they're back to the majors. Uh, batters could be back a little sooner. Uh, Detroit outfielder Robbie Grossman should start a rehab assignment at some point this week. Minnesota starting pitcher Joe Ryan is going to need at least one rehab start before he returns from COVID. So he should be back soon, probably next week. St. Louis starting pitcher Jack Flaherty is making his second rehab start this week. And just kind of looking at the calendar, he's probably back the week of the 20th. So if you've been holding on to him, just a little bit longer. All right, let's look at streamers for the week ahead. Am I streaming? Am I streaming? So we're going to kind of continue what we've been doing here, looking at, you know, kind of cross-referencing the worst the worst teams in run differential and the worst teams in strikeouts who's striking out the most as batters. So top 10 worst run differential teams, Kansas city, Washington, Pittsburgh, Oakland, 
Detroit, Colorado, Chicago White Sox, Arizona, Cincy, and Baltimore. And the teams with the most strikeouts as batters, Atlanta, staying there. They've been like the worst the whole year. Uh, Arizona, the Angels, Baltimore, Milwaukee, Oakland, Philly, Chicago Cubs, Minnesota, and Seattle. And so cross-referencing our, our target teams uh, this week, in particular, Arizona, Baltimore, and Oakland. So if you have any pitchers that are going up against Arizona, Baltimore, or Oakland, you got, you got, uh, you got to start them uh, in almost every case. But here are a couple of pitchers that we're going to focus on in particular for streaming. So today, Philly starting pitcher Zach Eflin is at Milwaukee on Thursday. He is rostered in just 11.7% of ESPN leagues. There's an opportunity for strikeouts here against Milwaukee. They're one of the top 10 strikeout teams. Uh, he's, Eflin is doing really good at limiting hard contact. And Milwaukee has six losses in their last 10 games. And Eflin also has a good matchup against Miami next week. Uh, Miami is, you know, uh, they're not top 10 on either of these lists, but they're not very good. So uh, good, good option to start uh, this week and next week. Yeah, definitely. I was looking at his, his home run per nine, and it's 0.71. Um, he's definitely limiting hard contact. And even his left on base percentage is, um, it's extremely low. It's 63.7%. Um, so I think that's really interesting as well. Probably because of how bad Philly's defense is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, another good start this week, Mets pitcher David Peterson is at the Angels on Friday the 10th. He's rostered in 10% of ESPN leagues. I see regression coming with him, but you know, with, with some key guys out for LA, this is a, a good a good matchup here. Madden is gone. You know, the there's turmoil, right? They're on this horrible losing streak. They might, <laughs> they might beat, uh, what is it? The A's that have the, the longest losing streak or no, yeah. they have the longest winning streak. Somebody they're they're going to beat the longest losing streak. It's going to be terrible. And uh, so this is a good matchup. And then he, he has an opportunity for strikeouts next week in Milwaukee. If he, stays up uh, in uh, in the majors when Tyler Miguel comes back. The only thing I would caution people about Peterson with is his um, walks per nine. His walk per nine ratio is 4.59. Um, so he could, like when we're looking at streaming, obviously you're trying to mitigate risk. People who give up more walks have a greater tendency to have that blow up inning. So um, not to say that he, he the matchup is there, but when you're looking at which streaming to, to which one to, to stream, he wouldn't be my top streamer. I would look at some of the other ones maybe before him, but the matchup is definitely there. Yeah, I, and this is a player that I would absolutely start over him. Uh, Milwaukee now starting pitcher Aaron Ashby has, has Washington on Friday the 10th. Now, he's rostered in 35.8% of ESPN leagues. He's probably not out there as much. Um, and so if you can get Ashby, especially for this matchup, I would, I would like, prioritize him or maybe one or one of the other guys that we're going to give you for Friday. But if not, 
being the David Peterson is one of those guys you can try to snag. Uh, so with Peralta out, Ashby has been starting, getting a bunch of Ks, 11 Ks. for nine innings. He's he's essentially Freddie Peralta. Like he is yep. Freddie Peralta light. Same path, started as a reliever, you know, starting pitcher. He's not going to go super, super deep into games. So he's probably not going to get you a ton of quality starts, but uh, man, is he going to strike out a bunch of people? Well, one of the things he has in common with Freddie Peralta, a lot of walks. He's got four walks per nine innings, which is not good, but there's a lot of other stuff working for him. His uh, BABIP and home run to fly ball rates are high and they should actually come down and help his ERA. And he has a 64.6 ground ball rate, which actually could be sustainable. I was I was uh, looking at his pitch mix. So he throws a sinker, slider, changeup, and curveball, right? And I went to StatCast just to see, like, all right, how are these pitches performing? They are absolutely filthy. So his curveball has a 36% per, whiff rate and a 54% put away rate. His slider has a 43% whiff rate and a 30% put away rate. And his changeup has a 33% whiff rate and a 22% put away rate. And to me, if you can add him for this matchup, you should be holding on. Uh, he's going to be really, really good. Another player we have for Friday is Angels pitcher uh, Michael Lorenzen. He's going up against... Uh, the Mets on Friday. He is rostered in 38% of ESPN leagues. I'm not going to add him in shallow leagues, uh, but if, if you have anything, if you're in anything like a 10 team mixed or bigger, uh, he should be, I think he should be rostered like across the board. Like he should be at 70, 80% rostered in, in deeper leagues. I can see the Mets potentially struggling with, Guy, you know, with like Starling Marte out, uh, having to like finagle the top of the order a little bit. I could see them struggling a little bit offensively. So I think this could be a good matchup for Lorenzen. Yeah, I was looking at his launch angle, and his launch angle is he's, uh, his average launch angle on pitches is, is only 10.2%, um, which is actually that's 41st best in the majors this year, which I was surprised by. Um, and I think that's something to, to consider. Yeah. And I realized a couple of weeks ago that I was including Lorenzen in like every streamer segment <laughs> and it's like, just roster him. Right? Exactly. Like he's good against almost everybody. Well, and if you're in a points league, I think he's RPSP eligible, which can be um, an extra added bonus. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and one more Friday start. Uh, Boston starting pitcher Rich Hill has Seattle. Uh, Rich Hill is only rostered in 5% of ESPN leagues. He's been up and down. I think he's a mid four ERA pitcher. I think that's kind of right. So he's really not like a guy I'm, you know, trying to go hard after. Uh, this is a good matchup against Seattle. He's got a home matchup against uh, Oakland next week, which is also a good matchup for him Oakland's one of those teams we're targeting so you know maybe maybe you keep him around uh see how he does against Seattle and maybe you keep him around for next week to save a save a, an acquisition exactly. 
uh, on Saturday, the 11th, Arizona starting pitcher Madison Bumgarner has Philly. He is rostered in 22.4% of ESPN leagues. His strikeouts per nine rate is very low. It's, it's down from last season, which was already low. It's going and, down year after year, man. It's like yeah. pl- plummeting. Yeah. It's and sad to watch. His walks per nine and home runs per nine are both up. But there are a bunch of, you know, uh, issues going on with with Philly players. Um, you know, uh, uh, Segura's out. Uh, I like Madison Bumgarner as a streamer. There's a couple other guys uh, that are out as well. I uh, can't remember off the top of my head, but I know their their lineup is uh, kind of you know hanging on by a thread a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Uh, so could could be a good start as a streamer, but long term I would avoid. Agreed. Boston starting pitcher Michael Waka has Seattle is at Seattle on Saturday the eleventh. He is rostered in 42.1% of ESPN leagues. I expect some regression to come at some point. He's got like a under a two ERA right now. Uh, so, and he's got part of that is low Babbitt, low homer to fly ball rate, but this is a really good matchup against Seattle. They strike out a whole bunch. So uh, good. His home run to fly ball rate is 7.4%. Like that's, that's wild. Yeah. And uh, St. Louis starting pitcher Dakota Hudson. He is uh, in St. Louis against Cincinnati. So this is a must start. He's available. He's available in like eighty nine percent of ESPN leagues, right? So he is absolutely out there. He pitched on Sunday. He has a really really bad K rate, <laughs> and he's absolutely out pitching some of his metrics. Yep. But he's done this before. And so I may pick him up for this game and I might write it out, write it out. You know, uh, the first sign of the first sign of him like falling apart, I'm gonna let go. But we we've seen this out of him, I think two or three years ago, he did the same thing. He had like a like a two mid two ERA and totally, totally outpitched his metrics. So, uh, you know, players do this. Marcus Stroman has done this uh, almost every year of his career. He should be a terrible pitcher, but somehow he outpitches the metrics. Dakota Hudson's doing that this yep. year. So yeah. um, this is a yes. really, really good matchup against Cincinnati, and, and he is a hold until he falls apart for me. I am right there with you. The fact that his K per nine is 5.2 it's so K's bad. per nine, and we're still talking about him, just shows you like how good the rest of his um, his metrics have been. I mean, he's got a um, home run to fly ball rate of 8%, right? His left on base is 80.1%. Like he's right where, like right in line with league average. Um, and he's given up 0.6% home runs per nine innings like it's it's unreal it's wild to me the thing that i thought was fascinating also that makes sense because he's, he's got a pretty high ground ground ball percentage this is launch angle is 7.7 um this is launch angle on the app on um the average i thought that was really interesting as well um and he's not giving up any bar- like when he is giving up hits it's not they're not being barreled 
it's 6.2% of every plate appearance is a barrel for him. Like that's really low compared to a lot of other pitchers in the league. So I would play him, but like you said, it would only be against, I mean, this matchup is like the best of the best. And, And you know, there'll be others. He's a waiver ad. So like if he does well for like two more weeks and then starts, you know, things start catching up to him. I don't have any problem dropping it for somebody. Listen, though, look, look at who's in his division, right? He's going to play a lot against Cincinnati. He's going to play a lot against Chicago, right? And those are some of those top – those are the teams we're talking about yep. as the top 10 in run differential in most cases. So, like, Pittsburgh, too, right? They're in that division. Yep. <laughs> like, they're not a good division, and he's going to get a lot of really good matchups. And a lot of good chances for wins because he's on a good team. Cincinnati starting pitcher Mike Miner is at Arizona on Monday the 13th. He is rostered in 6.6% of ESPN leagues. He had a rough first outing back from injury, but he should start to pick things up. And, you know, this is a way against a bad offensive team to second start back. I can see him doing uh, much better this time than his last game. And then, our last one is White Sox starting pitcher Johnny Cueto. I can't believe I'm recommending this, but uh, <laughs> he is at Detroit on Tuesday, the 14th. He is rostered in 13.3% of ESPN leagues. And honestly, he is criminally under rostered. Okay. He is above league average in walks per nine, home runs per nine, left on base rate and ground ball rate. Now, he's probably going to regress a little bit uh, probably sits like low three ERA range, but he, like he had a Renaissance in San Francisco last year. And I think he like figured something out and the old man is, is uh, doing well. So he's another guy that I might add and hold uh, until, you know, until the brakes fall off. Yeah. When he pitched against the Dodgers this past Wednesday, which it was, I guess, that was just yesterday he pitched against the Dodgers, he, he went six innings. It only, this is, I mean, I thought when he pitched against them, he'd get destroyed. I was like, this is it. This is where the brakes fall off. Six innings, three runs on four hits with one walk, and he still struck out five versus the Dodgers. Like, the dude's figured it out somehow i thought that was the end of it i was like all right well here comes johnny cueto's like falling apart game like this is it but if he can do that versus the dodgers think about what he can do versus detroit so we're going to give out some more streamers over the next few days on twitter so follow us at fastball pod to get the scoop on who we are streaming All right, we're going to take a quick break here, but we'll be right back to discuss a significant change to an important statistic right after a word from our sponsor. So last week, I wrote an article for Fantasy Pros about Babbitt and how the way we use BABIP as an evaluation tool needs to change this year. So BABIP is the result of balls put into play, not counting home runs. So it's related to batting average, but a little different. And, you know, the way 
the simplified way to understand BABIP is that if you have a higher than usual BABIP, you're lucky. If your BABIP is higher than what you normally do over your career, then you're getting lucky, right? And if you're a batter with a lower than usual BABIP, you're unlucky, right? And that's a, a really simple way that at a glance, we can say like, okay, this guy is going to regress in batting average, or this guy's batting average is going to start getting better, right? That's that's something that I think a lot of uh, fantasy managers these days uh, looks at, right? The, there are some things that influence BABIP, uh, hard hit rate, uh, infield hits, influence BABIP, line drives, is greatly influencing BABIP, especially this season. So um, there, there are two kind of factors here. The ball itself is different this year. It's something to do with the laces and there's more drag on the ball in the air after it comes off the bat. That's like the wake shift something or another. People like Todd Zola and Eno Saris, you know, you Phys can go to them physics. for all the yeah, you can, you can go to them for all the technical stuff, but exactly. basically it's the ball slowing down. The ball the sucks. Air. Yeah. And, and, and on top of that, the balls are almost every stadium now is keeping baseballs in humidors. So they're literally, they're just like soaking, right? Juicy. And, and, and so because of these changes, what's happening is it's making home runs harder to hit. So over the last few years, all these guys have switched to like uppercutting the ball, basically hit fly balls, launch angle, right? All this stuff has been important. And the last couple of years, we've seen it result in, in more home runs. So like at the end of May in 2021, as of May 31st, 2021, there were 1,811 home runs. Hit. At the end of May this year, 1478 right so something changed right hitters hitters have been forced to to change their approaches at the plate to being line drive hitters right some hitters have done this some have not right so if you look at at a, a typical line drive hitter somebody like um somebody like uh jd martinez uh Dansby Swanson, um, you know, Freddie Freeman, you know, th those guys have higher BABIPs than most other players. Mike Trout is another one, right? Those guys sure. uh, typically have a really high BABIP, 330s, right? Bryce Harper's had a 330 BABIP before. And, and in a lot of cases, they're not like lucky they're driving the ball well, right? And because of how the baseball is this year, some batters have figured out that, oh, line drives are super, super, super important if I wanna get a hit. Because what happens, what happens if you hit a fly ball and it doesn't go out of the park? Exactly. You're out, right? And if you're not driving the ball or not flying the ball, well, then you're hitting grounders. And what's the typical result of a ground ball? You're out, right? So if you're driving the ball, those end up as hits more often than any other hit, any other type of hit. 
And these guys that have like astronomical BABIPs, but also have high line drive rates, their BABIP might be sustainable. Their high BABIP might be sustainable. So this is one of those things where like, we can't just look at a, a player this year and say like, okay, he's got like a 350 BABIP. That's that, not gonna last. Yeah, that's not gonna last, right? It, and we can't look at could. a guy, we can't look at a guy with a, uh, a 250 BABIP and automatically assume like, oh, he's getting unlucky because we have to look at their line drive rates. So, you know, th this is super important in, in evaluating, right? And if you want to figure out like, okay, do I need to sell high? Do I need to, you know, is he going to regress? Do I need to um, buy, can I buy low on this guy? Is he going to actually improve, right? This is, this is the key, right? If, to figuring out if these guys are truly lucky or truly unlucky, okay? So here are a few players. I'm not going to go through like every player here that, that falls under these categories, but basically I'm going to give you the tools. For those of you listening, I'm going to give you the tools to do this on your own, right? So some players who are seeing improvement in their batting average from last season because they've increased their line drive rate and have a sustainably high BABIP. Uh, number one for me is JD Martinez. I would be totally buying JD Martinez if I could. Last season, he had a 23.8% line drive rate. JD Martinez is one of the smartest hitters in baseball. Okay. So if you notice him doing something, you should do it. Right. So he had a 23.8 line drive, 23.8% line drive rate last year. It's up to 31% this year. His 2021 Babbitt, 340. His 2022 Babbitt, 465. His 2021 average, 286. His 2022 average, 359. Right. So he's clearly figured something out. Now, a 450, 465 batting at, uh, Babbitt is still pretty high. Uh, you know, that might not be sustainable, but like a 330, 340 batting average. I could see that the rest of the way based on the way he's hitting the baseball. Garrett Cooper is another one who has made this adjustment and is seeing the benefits, right? So just kind of run through quick, 21% line drive rate last year, 374 BABIP, 284 batting average, right? He increased his line drive rate by 7% this year. It's up to 28.7%. His BABIP has shot up to 392. And his batting average this year is over 300. So this is something that you're you're going to see when you look when you look at uh, batters who have increased line drive rate. This is almost uh, always going to be the case. The the only times that this is different, uh, if like you see that a batter has a higher line drive rate and isn't. Uh, you know, isn't more successful in batting average. Typically, it's because they're striking out a bunch, uh, you know, or they have uh, also a really high ground ball rate or a really, really high fly ball rate um, and a low home run to fly ball rate. There's different, obviously, different factors that can go in. So kind of have to look at a lot of stuff, uh, but just kind of like a baseline thing, right? 
what they do with line drive in 21. What are they doing with line drive in 22? Is it improved? Is it decreased? Right. Um, Pete Alonzo, 18% line drive rate last year, 23% this year. His BABIP has gone up by 20 points. His batting average has gone up by 20 points. That's another one where, uh, you know, he's got a higher than usual BABIP. I trust it. Uh, Trey Mancini, I trust it. He increased his line drive rate by 5%. BABIP's gone up by 50 by 50 points. Batting average is up over 300. Sustainable to me. Both those guys do when you look at, and I, I don't want to confuse people and throw a whole other stat into the mix here, but when you even look at something like pull rate, right? That's a huge piece of this too. Yes, um, especially for left-handed hitters. Exactly, yeah, um, right? And both of them have, you know, top 30 pull rate in the league. Like the, both of them, um, when we're looking at something like that, and then also in terms of their, their barrel rate, right? If we're talking about... The, Barrel rate and line drive go hand in hand often. Um, I think that's another thing to look at as well. And both of them have um, some pretty good barrel rates as well. And just rapid fire, a couple other guys who I trust are, you know, with their with their higher than usual BABIP uh, because of the improved line drive rate. Tim Anderson, Xander Bogart, CJ Crone, Nolan Arenado, and Rafael Devers. I I buy it. Um, there are plenty more, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll, I want to look at a few other different categories here. So there's a few players who've increased their BABIP because they've made line drive adjustments, but it's not reflecting yet in their batting average. And these are the guys who are truly unlucky, where they've made the adjustments to line drive. You can see the, the BABIP effect, right? Or maybe you can't see the BABIP effect yet, and, and they haven't gotten their average up. These are the guys who are actually still hitting the line drives right at the fielders. And yeah. Getting unlucky. Yeah. A lot of them are hitting, um, uh, you know, in, into, into shifts or things like that. Yep, so exactly. Freddie Freeman, 24% line drive rate last year, 26% this year. So that's up, but his BABIP is only up by one point and his batting average is about 20%, 20 points lower than, than it was last year. So, that's a guy that's getting unlucky. He's made the adjustment. Bryce Harper had a 21.9% line drive rate last year. It's up to 28.5% this year. He's clearly made an adjustment, right? But his BABIP and his batting average don't reflect. His BABIP is actually about 20, 28 points lower than last year. And his batting average is the exact same at a 309. Bryce Harper should be batting like 320, 330 this year. He's got the sixth best, sixth best barrels per plate, plate appearance in the league and still has a 51% hard swing. Like, there's no reason why he he's, like, absolutely unlucky. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, these are guys that are – that have made improvements to line drive rate, but it's not reflected in their BABIP or batting average. So just a couple more rapid fires. Randy Rosarena, Jazz Chisholm. Bo Bichette, Trey Turner, Shohei Otani, and Kyle Tucker should all be improving over the course of the season, which is kind of exciting if you're rostering. You know, I picked those top guys on purpose uh, because, you know, it's exciting to know that guys like Trey Turner 
who's mm -hmm. already doing pretty well could be doing even better, right? Uh, all right, so a few players, a few players that lost line drive rate, but are outperforming BABIP and batting average. So these are guys who I think are going to regress, right? They've lost line drive rate from last year, but are somehow still doing better in BABIP and batting average than last year. Number one for me is Tommy Pham. He lost about 3% of line drive rate. His BABIP and his batting average have gone up. Uh, he is going to regress. Uh, Manny Machado is another guy. He dropped 3% in line drive rate. And his 2021 BABIP is 290. It's 360 this year. So he is truly getting lucky, right? This is true good luck. And his batting average right now is up over 300. I see that getting under he, he i don't think he's gonna hit higher than 290 280 the rest of the way which is still really good but you know he might be a, a really good sell high candidate at this point all of these guys are sell high candidates mookie betts is another one another guy that lost a two and a half three percent of line drive rate who has a 306 babbit right now and a 302 batting average Despite last year, his Babbitt being 276 and his batting average being 264. And these are guys you could get a pretty sizable haul for. Like you could probably get Mookie Betts for potentially two of the players on this, the, the hot list. Like you could probably get Mookie Betts for Trey Mancini and somebody else on that, that first list that we, we gave everybody. Yeah. And, like and you could, to, you could to, make a haul. Yeah. To be, to like, to be fair about some of these, like I'm, I'm picking out big names on purpose, right? Uh, but you know, and a lot of these guys are doing so well, like Mookie Betts and Manny Machado up over 300 batting average. Even if they go like 275, 280, 290, the rest of the way, they're still going to have a really good batting average. Exactly. So you don't need to worry like that much. But uh, you know, if you're, if you have needs at other areas, you could certainly. Uh, be selling high on these guys. A um, couple uh, rapid fire ones, Tommy Edmond, Jose Altuve, Aaron Judge, and Paul Goldschmidt, they're all in the same boat with batting average. They're, they're uh, a little higher than they should be because of the change in line drive rate. Dude, Paul Goldschmidt's Babbitt is 393. Like, that's insanity. It's insane. Yeah, and he lost, four, he lost about 4% of line drive rate from last year. That's <laughs> wild. So, uh, okay. Last, our last category here is players that lost line drive rate. They're not performing well. And on the surface, you might say, oh, he's getting unlucky. His BABIPs in the 220s, the 230s, right? But there is actually a cause for the low BABIP because of a low line drive rate, right? So basically, they're doing this to themselves. And number one is Juan Soto. He lost 6%. So his, his line drive rate was 18.5% last year. It's down to 12% this year. So it was already relatively low, and now it's even lower. It's the third worst in baseball right now. And his BABIP this season is 222. His batting average is 225. And so on the surface, you look at his batting average, compare it to his career batting average, you look at it compared to last year and you're like, oh, he's getting unlucky. It's going to go back up a hundred points and, and, you know, his 
average is going to climb, but he's not driving the ball well. And that is causing his uh, batting average to suffer because he's hitting into outs. Uh, and that's a huge problem. Another guy in the same boat is Anthony Rizzo, 19.4% barrel uh, line drive rate last year, down to 15% this year. He's fifth worst in line drive rate this year. His uh, BABIP is 192. His batting average is 213. He's hitting 50% fly balls. And his home run to fly ball rate is lower than usual because fly balls are turning into outs more than usual, right? And so this is, you know, th these are guys where like, sure, their BABIP might climb up a little bit, but it's not going to like skyrocket back to, back to their norms unless they change their approach, right? Unless they change their line drive rate. So Juan Soto, Anthony Rizzo, Cedric Mullins, the, the fantasy darling okay. from last year, right, uh, has My lost Lord. line drive rate. Um, JT Realmuto, Marcus Semien, uh, a big part of his, a big reason for his uh, lack of success this year is because line drive rate is 15.9%. Is it's down about 4% from last season. Right. And it reflects in a 239 BABIP and a 221 batting average. Nick Castellanos, Brian Reynolds, they're all in the same boat, guys that I'm legit worried about because their line drive rate is low. They haven't made the change to, to their approach at the plate this year, and they're suffering for it. We'll be covering all the big news in baseball, the best players to drop an ad, streamers, and more. So make sure you subscribe and tune in so you're notified when episodes publish every Wednesday, in this case, Thursday. In the meantime, you can tweet us at FastballPod, reach out to us on Instagram at FastballFantasyBaseball, or you can email us at FastballFantasyBaseball at gmail.com. We're happy to respond. You can also read my column called By the Numbers on FantasyPros.com. I do a data deep dive each week. So if you like what we do on the podcast, you'll definitely like those articles. I'm actually talking about BABIP a little more uh, this week. So make sure you read. And finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each height rating helps move this podcast up the list on all the podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So it's something that really helps us out. And thank you for listening.